Donald Trump was found liable by a jury this week for sexually assaulting E. Jean Carroll in 1996 and then defaming her by saying she was lying about the incident and that it never happened. Well, here to explain the verdict is Donald Trump. Now, now President Trump, what are your thoughts about this verdict? I think it was a fake report done by CNN. What do you mean, fake report? I mean, it's been reported by all of the major media outlets. I know they fired your good old buddy Tucker over there at Fox News, but are you sticking to this story? It's just fake news. All right. All right. Fake news. Well, what about the size of the verdict? Do you have any thoughts about the size? I always call it massive. Sometimes they say huge. Not a bad one. Huge. Yep, sometimes they do say huge. Well, we have a lot to unpack in this week's debriefing of the law. Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Ostert. I'm Chris Marone. And Chris, it's good that you are here today. I do know that today is graduation. You're in the middle of graduation time out there oh, yeah. in, in uh, sunny Arizona, which kind of brings us to our first case of the week about how dreadful graduations can be. But before we get there, a word from our sponsor, uh, Comedian of Law offers CLEs continuing legal education classes that educate and entertain. We call that edutainment or something like that. I think we're working on a <laughs> copyright for that. We have all kinds of fun classes. We're doing the Murdoch murder trial class next week. Uh, all kinds of, uh, you know what, Chris, you don't have to want to put a bullet through your head to attend a CLE class. I know they could be dreadfully boring, but Hey, yes. community of law, we offer CLEs that, uh, does not require a pillow to attend the class. And we love that. I've been to my fair share of boring CLEs. I, that is a, you know, it's not, it's not even a kind of a, it's a, it's a, I don't know, I don't know if it's a joke or what, but I, I've been to a couple of CLEs, not as the presenter, as the person attending. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there are people with newspapers in the front row, this was several years ago, and they would just mm -hmm. have the USA Today up and, and reading the paper in the front row while the CLE yeah. is going. They don't even hide the fact they're not paying attention, but not during a comedian of law CLE. Those are, are something you want to actually stay awake for because it promises to be a good time. All right. That being said, Chris, uh, this first case we're going to talk about today, I think hits home because it talks about yeah. how much we want to avoid and we dread graduation. Chris, I am just curious. I'm going to throw it out there to you. Did you attend your own law school graduation? I did. Did I you think about so not attending? So funny story behind that. Um, my When I graduated law school, you get hooded for those at home. They give you this nice hood to welcome you into the, the practice of law, pomp and circumstance, and pagan rituals. Um, at my law school, you got to choose who hooded you. Okay. Most places, like here at ASU, we just have two faculty members and they hood you. At my law school, we got to choose who we got hooded by. So, of course, I was going to go to my law school graduation because my mom was the one that was hooding me. Ah. And look, 90% of my law degree is from the support of my mom. Whether that was like showing up at my house and doing a grocery run or doing my dishes or when I was stressed out, just being my mom. So that moment was very special for us to, to have that happen. So I always knew I was going to go to my law school graduation. Now, undergrad, mm, no, hard no. Hard no. Now, I, I, when I was growing up, it's like, oh, graduation's a big deal. You're not going to miss your graduation. Yep. And then yep. my son graduated last year from K-State University, and we had to talk him in to even attending his <laughs> own graduation. And I, now I get that. I don't want to attend anyone else's graduation. Right. I shouldn't say that because I got a lot of graduations here to attend, and I, I just don't want to do it. It's like... Why? You're going to sit through a couple hours of people you don't even know for 15 seconds of walking them, watching them walk across yep. the stage. I for don't sure. know. But no, I'm there. we have a we have two nieces or a niece and a nephew graduating from high school. And I could tell you there's nothing worse than a high school graduation. But we're going to go. By the way, they're outside in Arizona at the end of May. Thank so it's going to be like 105 to 110 degrees 
those days. Thank goodness now for iPhones. Make sure your battery is oh charged. Gosh. That way you don't have to have USA Today out there where you are you know, <laughs> obviously not paying attention. You can discreetly catch up on the NBA Finals or, or, or the I'm going to put my iPods in and I'm going to listen to the you know, Comedian of Law podcasts. There you go. So I'm going to do. That being said, this one 23-year-old Pennsylvania woman, her graduation was coming up, and she was really dreading it. Why was yeah. she really dreading her graduation? Turns out she had been skipping classes for over two years. Now, because she's not going to Arizona Ooh. University, which is that the party school? Yeah. I don't want to say Arizona State. I want to say the other school there. But let's so assume... Go on. Yeah, you of University of Arizona. It's the part. It's the party school. That that is the party school. Yeah. So there, you might be able to graduate if you skip classes for two years. I don't right. know. I would think that might be Maybe. difficult. Not impossible Maybe. in some places. Right. Uh, but for her, she wasn't going to graduate. No. Here's the deal. She never told her parents or her friends, her family back home that she no longer was attending class. They thought she was still a student in good standing yep. and they were making plans to attend her graduation ceremony. So you, you got to imagine the stress of that situation. She knows the yep. gig is up. She's going to have to come clean. Well, she did not want to come clean. So instead she faked her own disappearance. And here's what happened. According this. to police reports, police said that Chloe Stein, uh, was last seen leaving a sonic restaurant in Hempfield, a township where she worked on this mm -hmm. late Monday night. And her boyfriend received a text that night saying she was being pulled over, but she wasn't seen or heard from again. So the last text she sent out like, Oh crap, a cop just pulled me over. And then went silent. Radio Nothing. silent there. So they they freak out thinking she's been kidnapped. She's been right. whenever. And so they contact the cops. There's a big old search for her. Uh, you can yep. imagine a lot of money and expense. When I think even a helicopter went looking for her. Mm -hmm. Turns out it was all fake. and It was all a fraud. They found her a week later in a friend's house. And she was oh. doing fine. <laughs> she was Absolutely just great. Probably on the couch eating, you know, Cheetos or whatever, whatever she's doing for the previous two years, I guess. And so, um, yeah, Chris, that's obviously going above and beyond trying to avoid right. a graduation. But any thoughts about this, this matter? I mean, it's in, in a serious note, we're seeing this a lot where people are avoiding their problems rather than facing them head on. And this is one of those situations where. Maybe her parents would have understood if she wanted to drop out of school, or maybe she didn't. But the the sad truth of it is, is we're we're having an entire I don't want to say generation, but an entire group of individuals that aren't facing consequences for their actions, so they avoid them as long as humanly possible. Now, and it, it's just yeah, I don't I don't want to rag on an entire generation. Right, I don't want to say an entire generation. It is kind of odd. Like, you know what? If you're in college and you don't want to go to college, that's fine. College is not for everyone. Right. It's a lot of school loans. If you don't plan on, on treating it, go ahead and enter right. the workforce. But was she just yeah, hanging out else. eating Cheetos for two right. years? Uh, well, and so a few years back um, at graduation, we had a student shown up that none of us on the staff knew. She just showed up. Okay. Showed up with her regalia, with her gown, with her robes, with her ropes, with her hat, everything. None of us knew her. And we're a pretty, like, student-facing staff. Like, I see students probably six of the hours out of the eight hours that I'm here every day. Student services sees the students, everybody. So she comes up to check in, and her name's nowhere on the list, on any of the lists for graduation. And she's given us the name and I'm like, oh, you know, we'll write your name down and we'll go upstairs and we'll go look at the system and all this stuff. Nowhere, nowhere to be found. Really? One of our one of our lovely people that we underpay here decided to do a Google search on her name and her Facebook pops up. And according to her Facebook, she's been attending this school for the last three years. Interesting. She's got all these posts from like retweeting and reposting from ASU. She's got pictures of her with law books. All of these things never once was enrolled here. Showed wow. up to graduation with her entire family, like 12 people. No. Yeah. And she's like, no, I, I met with the advisor. And we're like, okay, which advisor? Because there's two. There's two graduation advisors. 
And she's like, oh, I met with Joel. And no, Joel isn't one of the the uh, graduation advisors. She's like, oh, well, then I met with the other one, Frank. Uh, the graduation advisors are both female, and you would know that if you went here. And she's like, oh, of course, of course, it was Mandy. And we're like, you don't go here. And so finally she copped to it. She was like, I know I don't go here. I've been lying to my parents for three years. Wow. They wanted me to come to law school. Please let me walk across the stage. And we let her. We let her walk. We weren't going to make a big deal out of it. But the commitment to that lie, the absolute dedication to that lie was was indicative of the fact that you just don't want to have that difficult conversation of, I didn't get into law school. Yeah, I take back my earlier statement. Apparently, ASU is the party school. I had no idea. I was actually uh, giving a preview of an actual case (laughs) that was going on. Uh, Well, one of the things I find interesting about these stories is the statements that are made to the media. And so here, her lawyer, Phil Delasunte, issued a statement saying that that her family, uh, they are grateful for the support and kindness of all concerning recent events. And to that end, respectfully request privacy at this nope. time. Nope. <laughs> really? I mean, what privacy. else is he going to ask for, though? What you, is, you, what you, is he going to ask for? Well, you had two years of privacy. No one was paying attention right. to you for two years while you're eating Cheetos right. on the couch. Now's the mm-hmm. time people want to know there's a manhunt for you. Right. I think the public is owed a little bit of information as to what was going on here. But I guess right. you got to say whatever you have to say. Right. Well, and what else is he going to ask for? Like, of course, he's going to ask for privacy while they deal with this internal family matter. I wonder what the recourse is for like what crime is out there that's been if a crime what's been out there and been committed in Arizona. We have like stupid people laws. Like if you go hiking and it's over 100 degrees and you don't bring enough water, you get charged if they have to come rescue you. Okay, right. So you get charged. Um if they have to helicopter out or if they have to go find, like if you do like, and if you're over 18 and like other capacity things come into play, right. They don't charge the dementia patient that got away or the person who lacks capacity is out there doing something. But if like Chris Marone goes out with zero bottles of water on a 120 degree day, and I go hiking through one of the wonderful hiking trails that we all have here. And you have to send in search and rescue a helicopter, all sorts of stuff and airlift me out because I didn't bring water. Like I should have, I have to pay all of that. So I wonder if there's similar things in um, near Penn. There you go. That is the takeaway from this first story. If you're ever hiking in Arizona, bring water. water. It could be a very expensive mistake if you do not. I have no idea how much helicopter rides go for. But yeah, you do see that. Whenever there's a false report like this, you wonder, well, what, Mm -hmm. what crime was there? Really, she just did a text message say the cops are behind me and so is that really a crime that negates you well you know what you're doing and you are hiding out and you know what the the response is going to be they're going to call law enforcement there's going to be a search for you that's why you are hiding out you have to Mm -hmm. recognize this you are your negligence your recklessness and even your intentional conduct here is causing a lot of damage a lot of cost and so they're going to want to recoup those costs exactly this past week, a British pop star Ed Sheeran was found not liable in a copyright infringement lawsuit. And in this lawsuit, he was accused of stealing parts from Marvin Gaye's classic song, Let's Get It On, in his own hit, Thinking Out Loud. And a jury decided last Thursday that he did not steal Marvin Gaye's. He was not guilty of copyright. Now, I want to unpack how the jury got to that decision. But before we do that, first, I'm going to play for you the clip. This is going to be Marvin Gaye's song, a couple bars from it. Uh, Let's get it on, followed by a couple of bars from uh, Thinking Out Loud. Actually, Thinking Out Loud will be played first. So just listen to these these two songs going back and forth, back and forth, and then we're going to unpack whether or not the jury got the right decision. So let's listen in. Baby, man. Trying to hold back and feeling for so long. Heart could still fall less. I'm thinking about how 
go. Uh, what do you think about those two songs? Were they, did they sound eerily similar? Well, I'm bringing in my guest and good friend, Jim Jesse, who is also known as the rock and roll lawyer to help us unpack this lawsuit. Hey, Jim, welcome to our show. Joel, thanks. Great to be here. Let's get it on. I tell you what, you you, you fit the, the persona of the rock and roll lawyer. It's the middle of the afternoon, so I know you just got up, haven't had a chance to eat breakfast <laughs> yet. But before you, uh, actually, if you already, how many bars have you been to so far today? <laughs> oh, there were plenty last night. <laughs> you got a reputation to uphold. You are the rock and That's roll right. lawyer. That's right, Joel. It's not easy, but someone's got to do it. By way of introduction, Jim actually teaches CLEs to lawyers, a great class, I highly recommend it, where he teaches rock and roll law, but let's face it, that has got to be a very, very interesting class to sit through. Uh, all right, so uh, Jim, we just played those clips. I know you've, you've heard those clips before you're, as well. You're familiar with both songs. I got to tell you, Jim, to me, they sound exactly the same. I mean, the, the chord progression, the drum beat, the groove. Now, obviously, the melody is different, but how do we? How does one go about analyzing whether or not a song is an illegal copy of a previous song? I agree. I heard it, and obviously, I'm familiar, more familiar with the Marvin Gaye song, but they have, it. yeah, the same general feel and things like that. The problem is that, you know, obviously both sides hire experts. There's experts on both sides. You have to prove two main things in these cases, plaintiff by preponderance of the evidence, access, and then substantial similarity. Now, Sheeran, I don't think denied he'd ever heard Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. In fact, apparently the smoking gun <laughs> evidence was apparently Sheeran had sang them together at a concert somewhere. Right, right. Um, uh, which I don't know, how, you know, there are lots of songs that be sung together. I, I guess I would say this. I mean, obviously, the jury heard all the evidence, and we haven't. Um, but what, what is you know, the law? Because I know you're a musician. I, I've heard your stuff. I play the saxophone, so I I, I kind of know what it is to create music and to play songs. There's only so many different chord progressions out there. It's not like they're coming out with new notes. I mean, come on. It's, the music has been around for thousands of years. I mean, you, you invariably are going to copy and mimic someone else's stuff. It's just, there's only so Absolutely. many melodies out there. So how Absolutely. does, how does the law, I know a music, what is copyrightable? Let me ask it that way. Is like the G chord, is that, can you copyright no. the G chord? See, and I think that gets to the essence of this case. The things that you mentioned, the same, whatever, beats, the same BPM, the chords. No, GCD. You know, Joel, if those were copyrightable, <laughs> no one would be able to write a song. I mean, you know, those are very common chords. You know, a feel, stuff like that, you know, not copyrightable. It's too generic. It's too broad. Similarities are basically, obviously, experts testify on both sides, which side the jury believes. And then it comes down to, okay, the only thing that explains this is copying. And you have to copy what is called a protected interest. So it has to be something original. And again, originality is a low bar, but you know, chords aren't copyrightable. They're not original. Okay, so so I assume Marvin Gaye uh, got a copyright for this song. I don't think that's in yeah. question. And so uh, now again, there's gonna be chord progressions. And so someone else is later on, what, what if, what if Ed Sheeran said, yes, I heard that song and I was trying to, to mimic that groove uh, and, and work with that on a new song I was working on? If he, if he actually had used that as motivation, would that be a violation of the copyright laws? No. Inspiration, no. Because again, we'd, you know, I write songs. We'd all be guilty of that. We're inspired to write something. Now, there's inspiration versus outright copying. And by the way, independent creation is a complete defense. So it's also possible to independently create two things using the same chords that happen to sound a lot alike. Cause if you, you know, if I use GCD, I can only sing so many notes within those chords. And I mean, look, it's tough. Music gets created. You don't know where it comes from. And then a jury has to kind of figure this stuff out via, you know, jury instructions and expert testimony and musicologists and, and things like that. So it's hard. I think the Blurred Lines case, which came out a few years ago, which also involved Marvin Gaye, didn't help the situation. And maybe the Townsend estate thought, well, 
if that's copying, then maybe this is, and you know, maybe we get some money. So you're saying independent creation is a, is a defense. So let's just say this, yep. the songs are almost identical. I'm thinking of, yep. let's just say Queens, uh, you know, dun, 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 another one bites the dust. Or I'm, I'm a horrible singer. You know, I, I play the saxophone. That's why I play the saxophone because I can't sing. If, if someone else would have come up with that almost exact same dun, 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 dun. I mean, everyone would recognize that. And, uh, but if I came up with that on my own, have I violated yeah. the copyright law? It in theory, no, although <laughs> you'd have to, you'd have to get by the fact that you've never heard another one bites the dust, which no one would believe that Joel, we know how much you like queen and classic rock. So, <laughs> but hey. you know what I mean? Yes. In theory, um, the Bee Gees were actually sued in the seventies for their song. How deep is your love by a guy kind of an unknown songwriter in Chicago. And it turns out the two songs had like 80% of the same notes. And like you said, there's only 12 notes, really. So, you know, it's possible to do it. You know, particularly, look, rock and pop music has been around for 60 years. A lot of songs sound similar. You know, turn okay, on so, country radio. So basically, a jury can just simply say, yeah, I'm not buying it. And that sounds just like uh, another one bites the dust. You're copying yeah. it and trying to pass it off as your own. But, but if the jury did believe him that it was his own original inspiration, because for whatever reason, he just seems believable. Uh, but I think you also mentioned if he hadn't been exposed to it before, it really cuts against your argument. And the jury's Absolutely. not going to believe you. If you've heard Queen, you went to the Queen's concert, you're a member of the Queen's fan club. They're just simply not going to buy you weren't copying that line from Queen. I think it also helps. Look, Ed Sheeran's a musician. He went up on the stand with a guitar. He's like, look, this is my song. He's a musician too. He pointed out the differences. The jury, that's powerful. Ed, you know, Townsend, unfortunately, has passed away. I think he died in 2003. So it's his estate. I mean, apparently after the verdict, apparently Townsend's family came up to Sheeran and said, we believe you. <laughs> so <I> really? Just, <laughs> I don't know. So that might hurt their appellate chances. I'm just saying that might hurt. <laughs> Not on the record, Joel. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know. I think that was, you know, cause look, I'm sure this could have been settled, throw some money at them, make Townsend a co-writer. I don't know. I mean, there is a general feel and vibe. Totally. I totally buy it. And yeah, you could sing both songs together, but you can do that with a lot of songs to be well, honest. Well, as to that last statement you made, uh, Ed Sheeran said, I'm just a guy with a guitar who loves writing music for people to enjoy. I am not, and will never allow myself to be a piggy bank for anyone to shake. So I'm thinking he's not the type to settle for some kind of middle of the, you know, the road to mount. He's like, he's going to, he's going to fight this one. And I could see how to an artist that might be uh, in a front. If someone thought he was stealing other people, uh, material that's one of the reasons why i hardly ever go to anyone else's comedy shows that i'm that i kind of do the same oh. thing with because i don't want to be caught stealing their jokes right uh and so and that's, I can... that's as you know that's pretty that happens a lot in the comedy industry yeah and sometimes you, you'll actually come up with a story on your own but then you realize oh yeah i i have heard that before i heard it from that guy three years ago that's why it's in the back of my mind so we thought we just pulled it out of our backside but no we actually were stealing someone else's material hey, same with music you know all songwriters we love music we listen to a lot of music you know stuff infiltrates in look i think a lot of times or maybe not a lot of times but some of these times these cases there are examples where you know the songwriters will say yeah this does sound a lot like this and they'll cut someone in on the you know on the public you know on the revenue you know it'd be reasonable about it um you know in this case sharon wanted to fight it and was successful. That's Sounds right. good. Hey, before I let you go here, uh, is there any other really famous lawsuit where someone was found guilty of stealing someone else's song that my listeners oh. would probably be familiar with? Like, well, tell me I Michael Jackson say... or Bon Jovi didn't steal anything. <laughs> no, I would say, by the way, most Bon Jovi songs sound alike. Uh, I would say without question, the one that most people are aware of is the George Harrison, my sweet Lord case. He was sued in the early seventies by the owner of the chiffons. He's so fine. Uh, and eventually went to trial in 76 and a judge found that quote, it was the same song with different lyrics that didn't work out too well for George. Anyway, long story on that. It's an appellate decision. You can look it up. Bright tunes versus Harris songs. 
There you go. Thank you so much. And thanks for joining us today and educating us on uh, rock and roll law. Joe, anytime. Good to be here. Thanks. Our next story here is, um, is one that is in your neck of the woods. And I do believe yeah. now we are, we have several recent case or uh, local cases there for, uh, from your neck of the woods. Uh, this involves a Corey Rinchin and go ahead and describe what is going Ooh. on with this matter. I understand there was an arrest oh this gosh. last week. So Corey is so Corey and her husband, Eric are they're they're up in Utah and they, they fix and flip homes for a living. Um, Eric has a business with a business partner. Well, Eric turned up dead a year ago. Tragedy, right? He was uh, drinking one night and uh, somehow his, 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 his Moscow mule got spiked um, and he overdosed on fentanyl about three times, three to five times as much um, that was a lethal dose. So it would have killed him four times over. Okay. Um, and so Corey and her children are dealing with this incredibly tragic death oh, I can't of her even husband imagine. Right. right incredibly tragic so Corey writes a book um essentially a love letter to her kids to talk about how to deal with the grief of losing a loved one specifically a father um this book goes uh viral ish i guess regionally viral would be a way of putting it it doesn't like top the new york times bestseller but um a lot of people find uh, great comfort and a good lesson and how to talk about grief to your children through this book. And obviously this woman is going through all of this grief with her children and right. it's a very raw um, and great discussion about grief. And so as they've been dealing with this, Eric died back in March of 2022 um, as they've kind of rebuilt their lives. Um, Corey was arrested yesterday because she murdered her husband. Hold on a second here. Not bearing the lead. The wife. The wife. Who writes this book about the grief and how you deal with the, the horrible situation yep. of, of losing your husband, of your kids Absolutely. losing their father. Absolutely. She was arrested for the murder oh, of her no. husband? Oh, she was. She was. <laughs> so is the book a fraud? I mean, I she mean, included I in her book. I... Chapter five. The special grief when you actually put the fentanyl in his mule drink how to suppress your guilty feelings and confuse them with grief. Right. Um, well, you know, the, the uh, Joel, as you and I know, the number one suspect in any suspicious death is the spouse. Yes. Nine out of 10 times. It is the spouse that has um, committed such a heinous act of, of ending a life. Um, what was nice is that police doing thorough investigations found some interesting, I would say, uh, interesting evidence. One, um, Eric and his business partner had dual life insurance policies that fed to the other person okay. if they were to die. So that way the business would go on um, and be able to, to make sure that went on. Uh, Corey went ahead and changed that, broke into the system and changed it to herself as the beneficiary. Well, hold on a second here. Maybe instead of writing a book on how to deal with grief, she should write a book on how not to commit a murder. So here would be right. chapter one. If you are planning on committing a murder the right. week before, don't touch your life insurance policy. That's just not a good idea. Right. That's crazy talk, right? All of a sudden, I mean, these are all, you and I can sit from this like perch of seeing so many people um, dealing with cases, dealing with, with criminal defendants, dealing with non-criminal defendants, we can see a lot of their mistakes from from up here, big fifty thousand mile away view. Oh, I know. I think when you're when you're in it, like you're just not making rational decisions, Chris. Like, I, thinking, I hope, like nobody's gonna notice. Chris, I hope we're not like secret murderers. And what we're not. I'll catch myself nope. watching a TV show and saying, "No, no, right there, that was the mistake. You shouldn't have done that. Now you're right. gonna get caught if you had just been a little smarter, planned right. a little better. Maybe you could have gotten away with this." I hope I'm not secretly planning out some kind of horrible thing. I don't know. Well, I love my wife watches all the murder documentaries on like investigative discovery. And she's, you know, she was our Murdoch trial like correspondent because she paid attention to it. And same thing with uh, Valo Daybell's trial. My wife is our our de facto correspondent because I'm, I'm getting all this stuff from her. And honestly, I got this case from her as well. She, she was really fun talking about it yesterday. Yeah, that's um, scary stuff. 
I, I know but, my wife is a huge yeah. serial killer fan, and so we'll be at the right. airport. She'll have a book, The Mind of a Serial Killer. I'm like, honey, yep. can you put a cover over that, please? So people don't look around, look at things. Yeah. But now I guess it's just standard commonplace. Right. Well, my, my favorite longtime running joke at this point is, um, you know, the discussion of if we do away with the police, who's going to solve murders? And my standard answer, and what I've heard several times, is white women with podcasts. That's go. who's going to solve all the murders. Like that's, and it's like, and that's my good. wife is a class, my wife's a classic example of this. Like she listens to all the crime junkie type podcasts. All the she watches all the murder mystery stuff. She watches all the like Joe Kenda like investigative discovery things. And it's like, if I go right, and it's mysterious, a hundred percent chance my wife did it. A hundred percent chance. <laughs> Like if it's mysterious and you can't find me, I'm not in the Bahamas somewhere. Like I am, I am buried in yeah. like my my known enemy's backyard, where their dog's gonna find me in five years after my wife has cashed everything and is gone. You're not kidding. We went to Yellowstone, and my wife first thing she did, I swear, first thing she went <laughs> to the bookstore and bought a book, 100 Ways to Die at Yellowstone. I'm going really. You, you want to pick up this book? I'm gonna have to watch my, my wife- back. My wife picked up the other one, which was like a thousand suspicious deaths in Yellowstone. <laughs> it's like this does not bode well for the future. But no. Corey, on the other hand, did not do her research. She did not do the the smart things. And so swinging back to her, uh, Eric and his partner found out that she had changed the life insurance policy. They changed it back to them. Um, but again, when you go and change your life insurance policy, there's a record of what like what happens times dates people the whole nine yards so the police were able to pull that the police were able to see that this absolute criminal mastermind that is Corey um texted the drug dealer that she bought the fentanyl from but she called it michael jackson things okay um love that by the way absolutely so love that she wasn't wearing a new glove or a nice jacket nope. it was some other michael jackson things okay uh, some other michael jackson things um, and she went and did a couple of transactions with this drug dealer um, to secure almost 30 fentanyl pills over over a period and allegedly slipped them into his Moscow mule. Um, I left out a key point because I wanted to bring it up here. Uh, he died at home. He okay. was drinking his Moscow mule at home. She made him the Moscow mule that he drank that killed. So he wasn't at a bar drinking when he died. He wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't the result of a drunk driving accident or anything to that effect. He was at home. He was drinking at home, and he died of a fentanyl overdose that would have killed him four times over. Wow. So she got arrested see, yesterday. See, Chris, see, Chris, we wouldn't have made that mistake right there. You know, that's nope. a rookie no, 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 mistake no. right there. Very rookie. You don't kill somebody in your home. <laughs> when it's going to be. Chad Daybell, who's, looking who's at you, bro. The, who slipped this into his drink? Who could have done it? Yeah, you know what? There's no one else at home. You wanted several other people there, maybe right. some options. Yeah, options. You were at a hotel bar. You were at a club. You were at a dive bar, right? You were a thousand other places. Make it some place. Look, I'm not advocating to kill people. Like I need to put that out there. But you know, if you're gonna die of a drug overdose, maybe you should die where that drug is very popular, right? I'm like, just saying if, that would make sense. Not that we're again, planning things out, but we're just again, pointing out the obvious here. She didn't think this through. For all of the NSA and FBI people listening, I'm not planning to kill anyone. <laughs> but I would not do it in my own home. All just right. Saying. So what, what, what happened here? Uh, the arrest was this week. Yep. So and, she's up um, for arraignment early next week. Um, there hasn't been a discussion of bond or bail because it happened very very quickly yesterday um just in right it's a small community up in utah um so of course the the latter-day saint angle is going to come in and play on this one the One's same thing the... with Lori daybell valo valo daybell right the lds angle is going to come in and play on that again um so it's going to be interesting to see what what comes out of it 
Interesting. Well, we will be paying attention yeah. to that whenever the trial does happen. Uh, again, you do see some common themes throughout all these various trials. And and one of the common theme in this one was the text messages uh, between oh, her and the drug dealers that came yep. to light. Also in the Lori Vado Daybell, this last week of trial, which we're going to cover here in just a bit. That was the predominant theme of all the text messages yep. that went back and forth. And we know from the Alec Murdoch trial, all of those oh text messages that came Excellent. out apparently. Apparently our phones is like exhibits, all, all the exhibits you need at, at trial. I mean, they will convict you right then and there. And so use your phones wisely, play right. solitaire, play Wordle, Quirtle. I don't know. Wordle. Don't plan yeah. murders. Well, and I, I'm confused on like, do people think that they have a right to privacy in their cell phone? Do like, we? No, not even a little bit. Like the minute you hit the terms and conditions, like you're giving that like your pictures, your text messages, your email, like unless you're using like very specific programming, like I know that as lawyers, we have to be incredibly careful for confidentiality of our clients. We have to be very, very, very focused on confidentiality around what's going on. So we have to use very specific programs to make sure that that confidentiality is met. Right. If you're using an Apple based program like iMessages or you're using the Google um, message system, which I don't know what it's called. Like you consent to them being able to search your messages um, through Google or when you upload it to the cloud, now, like your consent, you're consenting in that. You're making a very good point that you, um, your, your phone is not some kind of situation where it's just secret. No, now right. granted law, uh, law enforcement probably will have to get a warrant because you do right. have a certain right to privacy up to a, a level. They just can't go rummaging right. through your phone without probable cause. But that's a pretty right. low and easy no standard. Bar. They're investigating a crime. They will be able to issue that warrant and get your phone, and you, you and they're going to turn it over. The information is there forever and always. Serious listening to every conversation we have. Right. I do wonder if we're ever pulled over for a... Um, uh, you know, a speeding ticket or whatever from a cop. How soon are we to the point where the cops are just simply going to say, turn over your phone because there's evidence on that phone mm -hmm. that you were speeding because there is evidence on that phone. <laughs> you were speeding, yes, there is. right? Very much so. I mean, the probable cause is right there. The cops stopped you for speeding. Your phone's right there. Why don't they just grab your mm -hmm. phone right then and there? I don't know. I do know there was a Supreme Court case a few years back, a California v. Riley, saying there yep. is a right to privacy in your cell phone. They can't just search the contents of your phone when they're doing a search incident to an arrest. Right. But they just get a warrant. I mean, it's not like you, right. it's, it's, it's that easy. Yeah, it's not like you're confessing well, to a priest. You know, this, they, this information will come out. Well, and they hold it, right? Like, yeah. they. If you're search incident to lawful arrest, right, they just hold your phone until they get a warrant. Yeah, like, they'll put it, it in a Faraday bag. They'll protect it from getting wiped clean, yep. and they will search it. Well, and also um, one of the things that we, National Lawyers Guild and um, different organizations that when we know we're going to go protest things, which is a big thing nowadays, um, the first thing you talk about is taking all of your biometric scanning abilities off your phone. Because police officers can just hold your phone up to your face, and if it unlocks, they're free to go through your phone. Because you don't have a you don't have a right to privacy to your face if you're out in public, because everybody can see it. And if your face unlocks your phone, I'm just holding up the phone, and it unlocks. I didn't search it; it unlocked on its own. And so, interesting. Your, your, your fingerprint opening and your face opening, you should turn off. We, we advise that you should turn that off because in a moment of arrest. The, the law enforcement officers can just hold your phone up. If your face unlocks it, they can go through your text messages and say, look, we're trying to stop a, a potential riot or a potential criminal situation. Here you go. And the courts in Arizona and California have upheld that as a perfectly lawful search. There you go. Wow. You so, learn something new every week. That's why I did this it. podcast with you. The stuff I learned from Arizona. Yeah. Uh, bring yeah. water and uh, turn, water. Off, turn off your biometrics. Hey. There's two ways you survive an Arizona summer, and I have said this for many, many years. One is hydrate, and two is watch how you talk to me. Those are the two ways that you, you survive go. an Arizona summer.
All right. Well, speaking of surviving the summer, uh, how about this as a segue to our wacky case segment of the week? We need some theme and music for this. I don't know, maybe Sean will get do. some good theme music for Go the Sean. wacky case of the week segment. But uh, I, I love to cruise. It's been a couple of years since yes. I've been cruising because we bought a house in Florida. So we've been spending our vacation time down in Florida. But I love Celebrity Cruise Line. Chris, have you Ooh. ever been on Celebrity Cruise Line? I have not. Let me let me give I you should. a good big plug for Celebrity Cruise Line right here. Okay. It is my favorite cruise line bar none, and here's why. There are no kids slides. You know, Ooh. if you go on Carnival or Royal Caribbean, there are all these amazing slides out there. You got some rip cords yeah. or zip lines, all these fun stuff for these kids. On Celebrity, none of that. No oh, slides. I love so this. do you know what that means? No kids. No kids on Celebrity Cruise Line. No kids. Yeah, it's not going to be as big of a ship, but man, is it a nice they ship. You don't need big ship. I mean, you don't have I, that. I need a bigger ship because I, I want to get away from the kids. There you go. Uh, and so um, I love And plus, Celebrity Cruise Line does offer uh, free drink packages with your normal Ooh. just purchase of a fare. And so I like to get okay, the, the um, nicer coffees. I go to the coffee shop. And, and yeah. I went, when I went on my Celebrity Cruise, I was such a regular that the lady knew my drink every time I went down there and knew my <laughs> name. So that kind of impressed me. But yeah, so you got an older population. That's fair yeah. to say. That's cruising on Celebrity. And because of that... You're gonna have some deaths, I guess. It's it's unpleasant, it's but you're gonna there, happen. Yeah, you're there on the high seas. You got you know a lot of people over the age of eighty. I don't know. People are gonna die. What do they do with that body? That is that's the deceased body. You're on a ship. You just toss it overboard. What do you do with it? You gotta store it somewhere. Okay, so where I mean, that's you, the no. polite thing, right? Right. So this woman, Florida woman, has sued a celebrity cruise line because her she went on a cruise with her husband and uh, right. Robert Jones. And while on the cruise, he died from a cardiac uh, event while on the, the Equinox okay. cruise ship. I, I actually was thinking about going on the Equinox cruise ship. And so All they right. were traveling from a Fort Lauderdale to the Eastern Caribbean. And so while on, while he was cruising, he died. And so there was a morgue there. And she assumed they were putting his body in the morgue. Well, it turns out they went to the morgue. His body was not there. They went to the cooler, the, oh, the fridge. Lo and behold, that's where his body was. They were storing his body in the refrigerator, in the cooler. I have no idea if that would have impacted the other food items in this cooler. Would their drinks now have a funky taste? Like this tastes a little bit like um like grandpa. I mean, I don't know what's gonna Ooh. happen here, but they she filed a lawsuit claiming that this was negligent. It caused her all kinds of emotional distress to know that her her deceased loved one was being stored next to the potato salad and it should right. have been in the morgue. And so any thoughts on this lawsuit? I mean Look, I don't know if there's like an express like discussion of where they're going to store the bodies. I maybe for like health and sanitary reasons, you don't want the dead guy by the potatoes. I uh, maybe I, did they store them in a bag? Did like yeah, there's things I under like things I know, like the body releases gases after it dies. Um, it, the 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 systems that hold everything in are no longer able to hold, so the body leaks. Why is it that this is what you know? Again, my wife loves to read things about people dying, and she assumes Absolutely. that you are entertained by farting kind of uh, storylines. Yeah. Oh so my gosh! Oh no, my wife wants. I get it. I understand. She wants to donate her body to the body farm in like northern Pennsylvania for the FBI to do decomp tests on it. Like this is where my wife is also an anthropologist. So that's her jam. Um, and bless her for it. I've learned so much in these past 10 years. But like for sanitary reasons, right? Do you want to store the, the decomposing body? And again, I don't know how long it takes to decompose a body in a cool, cool situation. Maybe that was the safest slash most appropriate place to store the body. Also, how did she find out? That I do not know. Right? How did you find out that... that me Maybe and Mrs. Jones were next to the, uh, you know, the the rutabagas. Maybe the label to the pork and beans ended up on his body, and so she said, "Where did Maybe. this label come from?" Right. Maybe some kid thought he was doing like her a favor to say things like, "Oh, don't worry, we've got him in the fridge." Like, you know what I mean? Like, how 
How would you find that out? I don't know. But you know what? I think Celebrity missed an opportunity here because they probably could have opened up a new avenue of of cruising called, you know, Cruising on Celebrity Weekend at Bernie's Style. Why not just pop them up by the jukebox? I've heard a song about that before. There's a lot of things you can do. One final just, you know, roll through the hay there on a cruise, sit there tanning. I don't know. They could have had a lot of fun here, one last party, but they did not do that. And so that lawsuit, I think that's going to qualify as our wacky case of the week uh, case. I love this. All right. I love this. We do a wacky case segment every week, but we also do a some Lori Vallow a daybell update because her trial Mm -hmm. is going on. I know people are following this trial. I think we are now in our sixth week of trial or something like that. Uh, It's coming to a close this week, and so the prosecution closed its case. And we've been going, I believe, for five or six weeks on this trial. It's been a long time, Mm -hmm. and we've been talking about this trial. And now the defense is going to present their case. Now, here's what we know right. so far, Chris. That closing argument is expected by the end of the week or first of next week. Right. What? Right. So the prosecution takes six right. weeks, and you think that the defense and the rebuttal is going to all be wrapped up in a day and a half. Is it, right. Are they just mailing this in? I... <sighs> yes. Well, also... One of the things I realized early on in my career doing criminal defense, if the police do their job right and the prosecution does their job right and the judge mediates it the right way, I, I ain't got a lot to do. I, the, the point of a defense attorney is to make sure that the constitutional rights of the accused are uh, not only valued but followed at every step of the investigation, every little step. You have to make sure that the constitutional rights of the accused, because the worst thing arguably you can do is put an innocent person in jail. Right. Um, or in this case, an innocent person to death. Oh, wait, no, death penalty is off the table. But an innocent person to life without the possibility of parole. That is the worst thing that we as lawyers hold could be the justice systems. You know, that's the miscarriage of justice we talk about. And so once the police do everything by, you know, by the book and by the law and they do it the correct way and the prosecuting attorney does everything by the book and by the law in the correct way and I've made my objections and I've done my effective assistance of counsel if there's nothing there there's nothing there like I'm just going to poke hole you can't at this point I feel the prosecution's done a pretty good job um, and I so am what, very let's, nitpicky. Let's look like what they did last week so last week they basically put forth a lot of text messages and emails between right. various parties, and they, and one of these, it, it is not, it's not a good look for Lori Valo Daybell. No. It, it does show that she not like her kids. I think she called right. them um, the obstruction or an obstacle at one point. Obstacle. I, I know I've been frustrated with my kids. I've never referred to them, to them as an obstacle, you know, right. and, and so that's not a good way to refer to your kids. Uh, no. And. It, we, the also there's a lot of sex messages and that plays into yeah. this whole she was some kind of a perverted sexual thing with um uh her new husband with um, chatty yeah fifth husband at some point shouldn't it should we have a cut off a number of spouses you get i don't know i'm just throwing that out there if you're on number five yeah. come on this is not working out for you marriage is not a good has not been good to you maybe it's time <laughs> just to just like move that tax on. break man i just enjoy the tax break what I, can i, I say guess. i like the privilege I like so, being able to confess all my crimes. We were saying from the beginning of this trial that she, in order for her to win, this does not look good for her, but in order for right. her to win, she needs to prove that she was under his spell and that he right. was calling the shots and she was kind mm-hmm. of oblivious to what was going on. It just that he was he had some kind of mystical religious cult right. kind of control over her. Yeah. And I know they can't really plead insanity, but they really needed to come really close to let the jury know she's not the culpable one. He was the culpable one, and she really didn't know what was going on. Yeah. They didn't make that defense. Now, I know that their lawyer's probably going to try to come up during closing argument and try to poke holes in the prosecution's theory and say, look, there's different ways to interpret this. No, it's only so many so many ways you can interpret why she did not know where her kids were for several months. That's just not even a thing for a mother to do, and to right. call them an obstacle. No, well, she needs to do more here than just put up a day and a half defense. Well, the problem is, is that she would have to take the stand, right? True. If they wanted more than a day and a half defense, 
she would have to take the stand because then she would have to discuss what happened. Why, what, where, where was she? What was going on? What was going through? What was her state of mind? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a door nobody wants open. They are not. No, they've already said they are not going to call her to the stand. She's not going right. to testify. So they are just going to have to rest on poking holes in the prosecution's yep. case. I did find one interesting exchange between the FBI agent uh, and yeah, um, um, uh, yeah. and then um, uh, Lori Vallow, uh, the defense attorney. So this is John Thomas was on the stand and uh, he's now cross-examining a former, I don't know, John Thomas was Lori Vallow's defense attorney. He's cross-examining yeah. former FBI special agent Douglas Hart. And and while he's on the stand, he's asking um, this agent if, if, if he knew about there were other things on her social media sites showing depicting right. kids, showing happy family time. He says, yes, there were other uh, images there like children at the restaurants paying bills other activities yeah. that the family engaged in and so then the lawyer asked isn't it true that Lori was a pretty good mother now, now full pause on that do not ask that question why would you ask do that not, she's on trial for the murder of her kids he is a prosecution called witness do not ask that question don't we aren't you taught you don't ask a question you don't already know the answer to and Correct. here that's the point he's just opening up the door and so well. the obvious response was well with the exception of killing them yeah i guess she's a pretty yeah. good mother exception of killing her kids she was a great mom yeah Ooh. every once in a while like my my mother-in-law and father-in-law pass around an email where it's like best court reporter lines like did you find a problem with him? Well, outside of being dead, he was perfectly fine, right? Like that that line is going to end up in some random email chain that grandparents send around to their lawyer grandkids about, oh, aren't these funny court reporter lines? Yeah. Like, and just to show how right crazy there. she is. So then he asked uh, this former FBI special agent uh, if he knew what Lori's passwords were. And, uh, and so uh, apparently it was five kids forever. That's how diabolical she is. She, her password is five kids yeah. forever, and then she brutally murders two of them, or at least right. maybe standing by. Allegedly, we don't know how the jury is going to respond, but it sure looks like she is a part of this whole conspiracy uh, right. to kill her kids. I just, yeah. Why ask what the password? Why does it matter? Why, like, five kids forever? Okadoke. Like, that doesn't mean any, like... Um, without disclosing too much information, like when I was a kid, like my password was, you know, 49er fan. It doesn't mean, does it mean I'm a 49er fan? It could be, but is that good enough to hold up in a court of law? No, not so much. There you go. All right. Hey, one there's not to me, one other, there's so many legal stories, but we are going to actually going to put oh off gosh, one of these stories till next week or to yeah. a future podcast, sports gambling, a huge oh thing. Gosh, and it is now thing. coming to light. All the, I, mean, I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg and all the different gambling incidents that are out there, uh, players, coaches, it's getting ugly and it's just coming right. to light. What happened to Pete Rose is exactly. That was where I was going. Rose belongs in the hall of fame. Pete Rose belongs in the Hall of Fame. One of the greatest players of all time. I will agree so, with that. So oh, we can talk still, about that. And I would do a special podcast just on gambling. Hey, maybe we can invite Pete Rose on that. That'd be actually a good cool. podcast. We'll see what we can do. All right. Hey, one other story here from uh, in the world of law from last week. Elizabeth Holmes is not going to have to report to prison this week. She, she was supposed to report to prison in this last week. She filed a motion with the district court to stay her sentence, and the district court denied that, which is typical. Yep. So then she goes yep, to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and they granted her motion. So she did yeah. not have to report to prison while they considered it. Now, this was a very... Um, this was a Hail Mary pass on her part. Right. Very rarely will a circuit court stay your sentence. It's like, no, go start serving your time. If right. they do grant a stay of your sentence, that's a bad sign for your actual conviction, uh, at least right. for the conviction being upheld, because they, they saw something that bothers them. That's why they are staying the conviction. So, Chris, I am left here... Hold it. I have holding the bag. I don't even know what the saying is. I don't know. Yeah, that's a great saying. 
are they going to overturn this conviction? What about this conviction subjects it to possibly being overturned? What makes this even odder is Elizabeth Holmes' co-conspirator, if you will, Sonny right. Balwani, is yep, already boyfriend. serving his sentence. He is in right. jail, and she... I don't know, is the pregnancy, is that it? And the fact that she is now pregnant again, is that why they want her not to report just yet? I don't know. I don't get this. I I mean, she is going to a minimum security prison. And so it is a country club for a reason. Um, it could be the pregnancy. It could be that there was reversible error, like very glaring reversible error. Um, I know we've talked about it offline and, and whatnot, but the, the testimony... Um, of the um, the expert who was also going to be a witness, that maybe re- I, I didn't think it was reversible error, but I also don't sit on the court of appeals. So, um, well, the argument must have been pretty well made by her attorneys to allow her to remain free. Interesting. Well, we'll follow that and see yeah. what is the basis of it. So she filed her motion, and the government will have to respond. Still, will have to respond yep. here. I believe they were given a ten a day. So we'll, yeah, we'll follow next that next week. Yeah, see what's going on next week. All right, so lastly here, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the coronation of King Charles. Did you watch that, or did your wife watch that and give you a report? No, but someone in my office flew to England to attend. Really? Yep. She, her and her husband headed up to the motherland and went to attend. I mean, did they actually get to see it, or you mean just be there in London while this was so going on? So they saw the procession down to the palace. Uh, they weren't obviously in the palace during it. They had to watch it on their phones, but they were able to see the parade procession. Interesting. I don't yep. know what to think about this. I mean, I've seen all kinds of memes on the internet. Some of them are I love funny. All the memes. One of them posted, uh, you know, some kind of thing about it, and the response was, "I stopped caring in 1776." Yes, I've seen that one. I guess there's that, you know. Like, why do we care? But in one certain respect, since I guess we came from England, you know, right? That that's kind of our king once removed through a divorce. I don't know. I think, I mean, the king of England is just a head of state. There's no real political power with the king of England or the queen when she was there. Um, I think that Americans like pomp and circumstance and ceremony. Like, look at the inaugurations of presidents, like really? how, like, and people from all over the world come and see the inauguration of a president or the, um, I mean, we don't do it as much as like the appointing of a prime minister, but we are obsessed with the installation of new leadership. We like to see what's going on. We like to see the old ways, right? Because there's nothing modern about the coronation ceremony. They come <laughs> out, they bring the holy hand grenade. Uh, he looks like Commander Snook from the the Star Wars, you <laughs> know, almost the, looks the sequel comical. to <laughs> Right, like, yeah, you know, the 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 headwear. The there's a lot of irony in the coordinate the the coronation, which we can get into that much 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 later of the the atrocities of the British government. Um, but at the end of the day, they've also I done some good just, things. They it was the British government that ended slavery. So kudos to them. Full stop. It was the British government that started slavery. And well. So, Slavery so, existed before the British government. Right, but the British government at one point had 83% of the slave trade. That, that is true, right? yes. And, and so them ending slavery is kind of like, hey, you quit drinking. Like, good for you, but we're not, we're not going to give you a, a bunch of kudos for this. Like, it, it is what it is. Um, but at the end of the day, like, we like to have a party. We like to celebrate things like there's so many bad things going on in the world that we want to be able to have a victory one day where we all just kind of come together. And I think it was a huge victory because I enjoyed the protesters from Scotland and Ireland telling them to shove it up their arse. Like I, I enjoyed the pomp and circumstance and the properness of the, the English Royals and all that stuff. It was just a great like distraction from everything that's going on in the world. And I don't understand why we care, but I do. No. I mean, I, I actually catch myself yeah. reading these articles going, why won't Prince Harry just man up and just be a good son? I don't get this here. Why, why, this is why your won't dad Prince William be a being good coronated? Brother? Just, right. you know, be happy for him. Why is this guy? Why do you got, I, so again, I'm not going to get into that. I just want to know right. why do I care, but I do. Right. I, I don't, don't understand that. Okay. I think we always care about other people. Like, oh, what drama is going on over there? 
Like you come out onto your lawn when Bob and Betty are fighting across the street and you're like, oh, he's bringing up his alcoholic mother again. This is getting interesting. And you're just like in the comment section, just eating the popcorn. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The other day, I see the other day, probably three years ago, whatever. But I was actually outside my house and I could hear mm -hmm. my wife talking to my son inside the house is like mm -hmm. wow i had no idea that yep. these things were being broadcast to the entire yep. neighborhood mm -hmm. so all right well a couple of my favorite memes uh from this last week from the coronation was this one the artist formerly known as prince oh i love that <laughs> did you see that I love one that. i love that that's a good i haven't seen that one but i'll have to find it now all right, oh, that's a good one. Uh, how about this one? You're never too old to achieve your dreams. Prince Charles just turned 73 and landed his first job. And so I saw the variation of that one where it's 73 year old man uh, finally gets his first job after living in his mom's basement. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're all good. Right. They're all good. Yeah. Uh, I saw another one where he was actually given a book to sign for his autograph, I guess. And it was the book Spare that, that Harry wrote. <laughs> so, I, I love know. that. Um, I saw the one where it was like um, Camilla was getting her crown and then underneath it, it just said Hufflepuff. Like it was a Harry Potter meme. I really enjoyed that one. There you go. Well, has anyone even mentioned Princess uh, Lady Di in this whole scenario that she, that was the whole deal that she was supposed to be queen right now. If that Hollywood Cinderella, it wasn't Cinderella, but you know, that magical moment yep. when they were married, if that actually had right. lasted, what an amazing time this would have been. But of course that had a much worse uh, tragic ending. To right. It. I, right. there was a lot of, um, there was one point in the coronation where, uh, Prince William and Duchess Kate, uh, princess Kate. I don't know what her title is. Um, they were signing using sign language to talk to somebody in the crowd and it flashed back to a video of when princess Di was using sign language to talk to people in the crowd and go. it was just like it was one of those like she was there in spirit or she's there through her kids sort of thing all right well chris uh, let's go ahead and conclude here with a quick segment on courtroom quarterback doing it nba playoffs I like this time. I feel like I can just relax because I do know that no one is listening because you and I are two lawyers yeah. now at this point in time. Who cares what our thoughts are on sports? That being said, I am really digging into these NBA playoffs. I'm watching oh them gosh. every single so day. I stayed up late last night, the night before, and these playoffs have been fascinating and great drama and the drama right now which is already going to be played out by the time this podcast is issued so we're going to know how this turned out will golden state is this the end of an era will golden state lose tonight or will they find a way to force a game six against the los angeles lakers and more to the point Lakers and the Warriors both just dogged it during the regular season. I and mean, this was the sixth right. and the seventh seed. And now right. these are, might be the two best teams in the NBA. Are, right. is, is the regular season now just utterly meaningless? I I got lots of feelings because die diehard Warriors fan. Um I think it's gonna go to seven. And okay. I don't know who's gonna win game seven. But I think it's going to go to seven. I really do. I think that that the Warriors are going to push back. They're great. Like game game five, game six, Clay is usually pretty clutch. Um, Steve Kerr did a great job of owning the fact that it was his fault, calling some some bad audibles there, um, and and forcing Steph to make some shots or take some shots that he probably normally wouldn't have, and some rush decisions and whatnot. I think it's going to go to seven, and I'm not sure. I'm just I I can't I can't commit that far in the future. Um, but the normal season, like it's a waste, right? If you're if you're gonna have number seven seeds, at least in the West, right? In the West, we can say that it's a waste. In the East, it's it's shaping up pretty well, right? But hold hold on, that no no. Who is now the favorite in the East? The eighth the seed, Heat? Miami Heat. Yeah, Jimmy what? Buckets. The eighth yeah. seed, Miami Heat, they destroyed. Actually, they are in the process of destroying the Knicks. I mean, got a hold of myself here. Uh, yeah. But I think they're up three to one. New York. Uh, and it is not even close so far. And so the right. Heat, they will be playing either the Celtics, who they are just falling apart. So it's probably going to be the right. 76ers. That's going to be right. a fascinating series to see Joel Embiid, my favorite, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, play against right. Miami. I am just a huge fan 
fan of Miami. Uh, I love Eric Spolstra. Right. I love Pat Riley. I uh, think I that Riley. LeBron James made a, the worst mistake of his career when he left the Miami Heat. I agree. And the comforts of having Eric Spolstra, who was a very young but up-and-coming coach, being tut- uh, taught uh, tutored by the, one of the greatest coaches of all time, Pat right. Riley. Love me some Pat Riley. Great situation out there, and he just left right. it, uh, and he probably would have won twice the number of titles. So I'm having this debate of who is the best of all time. I don't even think it is a debate between Jordan and, and uh, LeBron, but here's the thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Jordan had one coach. He had one. stability. If right. LeBron had stayed with one coach and had stability, might yeah. he to have double the number of championships now? Probably. I mean, I think that, but I think that's also a mirror of the modern aged um, player in the NBA, right? Jordan was bulls all the way, all the way. And he did things to keep the bulls together as much as he could and to bring in talent to the bulls. Yes, he did do his time at the wizards, but that's a, that's a discussion for a later time. You see a lot of these guys switch teams in that super team race for a ring. And that hasn't really panned out for anyone, right? If you look at the way that James Harden and KD have jumped around, right? It hasn't really, or and LeBron, it hasn't really helped them in their chase for many, many, many championships. Whereas like Steph and MJ stayed with their team, won their championships, and are legends where they're at. They'll be for like Steph Curry will be forever loved in the Bay Area, the same right. way that MJ is forever loved in Chicago, right? Like. You, you got to think more of like, what is your legacy going to be? KD is an incredibly talented man, but where is he going to be loved after he retires? Not Phoenix. No. Not Oklahoma. Not no. New Jersey. Not Brooklyn. Not, I don't know, not not Golden State. Not uh, Denver, where he's going to go next. Like, <laughs> Like what is LeBron's probably going to be loved in LA? Whoa, did right? you just LA's say KD is going to Denver? Just saying, he's eyeing the team. That's no, where that he's going to try to coach. That him could next. be the take of the day because you're right that he did that when he could not beat when he was the Oklahoma mm-hmm. City could not beat Golden State. He then went to Golden Jump. State. If he can't yeah. beat Denver, is he going right. to? That's actually not a bad take. So, and it's KD, right? Like, how many more years does he have left in the league? And he's a talented player. He's just. He doesn't have that, like, what, that je ne sais quoi, that, like, you know, the the desire to be loved by hometown fans. There you go. All right. You know what? It's time to go. And I know you have graduation ceremonies to go Ooh, dodge. If you send this. me a text message about you being pulled over, I'm not going to freak out. Uh, so <laughs> have a great week. And go Golden State. And we'll see you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.